Welcome to the Ninja Lane Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about budget builds using AMD. Is FM2 good or should you go for the FX? I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McCain. One of the principles of ninjalane.com is reviewing high-end enthusiast hardware, but there is a very large portion of the market that can't afford some of this high-end gear, and that's where the budget build comes in. Yeah, it's interesting because frequently in the past we've seen a real rivalry between the AMD and the Intel processors, and over the last couple of years it's really developed to the point where from an enthusiast site standpoint, the AMD processors have been less competitive because AMD's focus really hasn't been on that high-end enthusiast market. No, they've really focused a lot of their efforts on the video card market with the Radeons, but they've really spilled a lot of effort into the mobile platform. Right, and all the different Fusion architectures. So it's unusual, really, that we're in a position where we've both worked on AMD builds in right. the last month. Yeah, and see, we, we, I, at uh, reviewed a new CyberPower machine called the Zeus Evo 2000, which is a very unique gaming system in that it has an 8-core AMD FX processor. It, with the turbo enabled, this thing will run 5 gigahertz, which is kind of unheard of on the Intel side, but in terms of performance, it doesn't compare. It's considerably slower than the Intel side. So I was challenged in a different way to build a machine for my daughter to do homework. And of course, because I'm a gamer, light gaming was the focus. But I was challenged to do it on a very, very tight bonus, which really left the budget so small that Intel was just out of the picture. So what did you end up building? I know that I made you a couple of suggestions. So I... uh, went back and to be fair I had most of the parts that I needed for the build laying around so I ended up purchasing a power supply I went with a Corsair 430 and my primary function behind that is Corsair has really become my go-to budget uh, power supply for a couple of reasons one you can get a pretty good bronze unit and so you've got that energy efficiency but two because Corsairs in general tend to be on the quieter side for the budget uh, power supplies. So that was my first purchase. And then I know we attempted to find some matches amongst all the loose hardware I had, but the only processor I had laying around was ironically an older dual core 840 black edition. And I just couldn't make that work. The motherboards I was looking for to use that processor put me in the same budget where I could actually buy better gear. So I went out and started looking at either an i3-based build or an AMD A8, A6 style processor, which is using the either the AM3 Plus platform or the FM2 platform. So can you guess what I ended up with? FM2. You're right. <laughs> it turns out that at least from a price standpoint, AMD right now, the FM2, really did fit that best bang for your buck that I'm always looking for. What I did was budgeted about $150 for a motherboard and a processor, which really isn't a lot, but it's that same 
amount of money that a lot of people are using for their budget these days. That led me to an AMD A6 6400K Richland. That's the black edition. Well, you have to get the black edition if you get AMD. Yeah, you really do. And it's not that much more to get it. And I'm afraid the enthusiast in me just says, got to have the black edition, even if we're not going to overclock. <laughs> yeah. And that was a one of those famous Newegg bundles, right? This wasn't actually, although I did look for it, and Newegg was the vendor I went through. They had an MSI motherboard, and I'm a I'm a big MSI fan. That's a nice quality motherboard. It was a great price for an FM2 motherboard. The A85XMA-E35, which is an FM2 Trinity motherboard, and that's based on the 85 A85X Hudson D4 architecture. Not the most current architecture, but it did support the DDR3 memory, which was the other crux for determining that because I had some memory laying around from my uh, first thought. That was the i3 build. Right, and that was um, actually old memory from when you upgraded your main system, right? Yeah, that's right. So pretty good high-performance memory, a little 8-gig kit, but plenty for what my daughter is doing, which is you know simple homework and some entry-level games, kind of your PopCap-style stuff. Right. Now, the A6, the you know, Trinity and Richland, they both have really amazing built-in video. That's right, they do. Yeah, you know, it's the Fusion platform, and AMD really focused on making sure that it had best-in-class video. Now, did you do the onboard video, or did the enthusiast in you kind of win out and say, no, can't Well, do it? as you know, I have some pretty nice video cards laying around. So at the moment, my lovely daughter is spoiled with a 7970 in the machine, but that's a temporary thing. The processor has a built-in video card that will crossfire with an external card, which is something that I'm really intrigued with. So I've been out actually looking at a little bit older cards. The Richland, the 6400K, will match with the old 65 through 7700 series Radeon cards. So a 7770 is the high end and a 6850 at the low end. So I have to confess that I've been kind of on the prowl for a good cheap card in that range that I can pick up even used would be okay so I can experiment with what happens with onboard crossfire. And that's really just going to be... I think what a lot of enthusiasts are going to do when they get these particular Richland systems, you know, because that's where the, a lot of the power is. And when I built my home theater PC, I put a an AMD um, TriCore, one of the old black editions right. in there. And I had the option where I could crossfire with the onboard video, but the onboard video was so bad that even crossfiring it wouldn't really get me anything more than if I bought really a a high-end, low-profile video card. Well, I didn't have a lot of what I would say were high concerns in the motherboard selection. I needed to support DDR3, which was very important and helped drive the processor choice, but I also wanted to make sure that I could support the new SATA so I could get that 6.0 throughput on my hard drive. Uh, My thought being that at some point I will probably pick up a cheap SSD to drive the operating system. Now, right now, that machine is running... Uh, Windows XP because I had an extra Windows XP uh, license. But that's probably good enough. But you couple that with the SSD 
and I could upgrade it to 8 or even 8.1 very easily and really increase the performance, especially when you look at things like the, the Windows Experience Index, where you're seeing really the most dramatic slowdown is in the fact that I've got an older 1.5 terabyte green drive in there. It's a 5400. Right. Well, and you are limited with Windows XP in that you can't run DirectX 11. And that's where a lot of the modern games are going to take advantage of the GPU power, not so much the raw CPU power. So being able to uh, crossfire with the DirectX 11, get an SSD, that's going to increase the overall performance. But what we really want to know is not counting, well, I mean, you can include this if you want, but like what was the bottom line price putting this system together? So now arguably I had some of the parts laying around, but if you were to take into account the total cost of what it would take to purchase these things, I mean, you can get a nice Blu-ray reader, like the light-on unit that I put in this machine right now for around 25 bucks. if you're patient, maybe even less with a rebate. So I've got that. Um, let's discount the 7970 because, to be fair, that wouldn't be in the build except for the fact that I have one. And we've been keeping it around because we occasionally combine it with the lightning for overclocking. So... The reality is, is with the onboard video, it's it's good enough for entry-level gaming. Crossfired, it's going to be good enough to play all the modern games. Maybe not at the highest setting, but good enough. And it excels. It honestly really excels as a home theater or multimedia machine. So you got that. You got the old 1.5 terabyte. So maybe a $79 drive, if that. So... All total power supply, the whole nine yards. I think you can build this machine for under 500 bucks. And that's cheaper than a lot of like laptops that you can buy from Dell or whatever and with half the specs. And arguably, you know, I've got fancier stuff than most folks need. I've got a nice aftermarket case because I had one laying around. I've got a, uh, you know, that Blu-ray is a little bit higher end than most folks could get away with. And it's almost to the point now where if you have a good network and it's a backup machine, you don't even need a drive anymore for external. You can just do it all off a of thumb. Right. And I want to say that the FM2 platform is getting a little bit of love from the manufacturers beyond budget builds like what you put together. Uh, for instance, Gigabyte has a Sniper Edition board using the A88 chipset. And that is a really sexy board. Of course, that's going to really push your budget up. But that gives you tremendous advanced capabilities on that platform. I mean, you're looking at, you know, an easy upgrade to an A10, which isn't exactly an expensive processor. I no, know it's... you recently looked into the A10. Yeah, I bought one, um, the Black Edition. So I got 4.1 gigahertz off of that thing with an unlock multiplier. That was like 150 bucks. That was nothing really. Yeah, and you're getting, I mean, amazing multi-core performance. And it's important to point out that the i3s and even the entry-level i5s are going to outperform in single-core performance and even a lot of the dual-core performance. But you're losing that, you know, relatively it's a, good onboard video, too. Yeah, and it's really a price-performance situation, too. So for the price of the motherboard plus the video, uh, the processor that is still less than what you would pay for a high-end Haswell system, Absolutely. like processor and whatnot. So you're going to get slightly less performance, maybe like half or maybe a quarter, but you're going to be paying less than half. So it's one of those things where 
you can put together one of these systems relatively cheap. And now you can get enthusiast level motherboards from various companies like Gigabyte mm-hmm. that builds, will allow you to build a custom machine. Well, and not only that, but you're adding in, you know, then high-end audio without having to have an aftermarket audio card. Yeah, really good audio on that sniper yeah. board, by the way. Well, you know, you've got the premium NICs, like the Killers on board. You've got, you know, a higher-end chipset. You're getting better throughput on your memory. So it's nice to see that that support is out there. And I know that, you know, the fanboys, sorry to say that the AMD still isn't really cutting that high-end. But the real question is... You know, at what point is it good enough? Especially when you're looking at a home theater multimedia build. Right. And for instance, you can get an FM2 or an, even an FX AMD system from CyberPower, which is what we started this little extra off with. Right. <laughs> and these systems are, the FX one, for instance, like the one we reviewed was around $2,000, but it came with enough hardware so that it's a good base that you can build upon well and that's a fully loaded box too so i mean really that's a pretty competitive build right and with games a lot of the high-end titles supporting DirectX 11 and it coming with windows 8 the discrepancies in the cpu performance are going to be negligible because a lot of the power for the games is going to come from the GPU. And that's something that I keep saying in a lot of reviews. And I mentioned in the podcast several times, but it's actually the truth now that the GPU is taking over in terms of being the most important thing in your system. That's very true. And for a lot of your day-to-day applications, having a cheaper multi-core processor, I mean, that's supported in a lot of applications now that you're going to use when you're not gaming. So AMD suddenly becomes a very viable choice. You pair a really good multi-core AMD at 150 or less with even, uh, you know, a 760 GTX, and you're going to be rocking and rolling for half the price of a nice high-end gaming PC. I mean, we forget that when you go to a boutique manufacturer, some of the machines that we take for granted are $4,500 builds. Yeah, and... For the enthusiasts, we all know that we are, AMD processors still have no cold bug. So if you want to do these things under liquid nitrogen or even break into liquid helium, assuming you can buy it, you can put your copper pot on there, just fill it to the brim. It's not going to, it's not going to cold bug on you, and you'll be able to just overclock and not have to do anything. So That's- boutique through a company like CyberPower or build your own, it really is not too late. Don't discount AMD as a gaming machine or a multimedia machine that's going to fit your budget a lot better than a high-end Intel. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2013. Thanks for listening.